And that mind can be vulnerable or come under harm or attack or can be easily influenced from things from our past, present, as well as our future. And I thought about this from this point. Sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, something has not even happened yet, but my mind has already formed an opinion about something that hadn't happened yet. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound Broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Paul used the term war, which tells us that this is a cruel time, a violent time, something that is vicious. Sometimes you can hear words so many times that you it loses its effectiveness on you because you just consider it from one point, but it can actually lose its uh, how serious this particular word is. But I want you to understand that when Paul said that something is warring, he wasn't talking about something that was lackadaisical. He was serious in what he was saying, and he wanted us to understand this, uh, how important this particular time is in our lives as Christians. Wartime suggests that there is, a, there is a war being fought. And war, meaning a conflict or battle between two or more opposing forces on a certain battleground. A battleground is a place where the war or fighting occurs. When we think about war, there's usually an enemy trying to advance onto someone's territory and the opposing party is trying to stop them from advancing. Even today, Russia is trying to advance on Ukraine and Ukraine is trying to stop them from advancing. If Ukraine does not stop Russia, Russia will have control over the territory of Ukraine. Let me kind of show you that. I want to Get, get, get a picture in your mind just for a moment. If I'm Russia and this is Ukraine, Russia it would be advancing on Ukraine and Ukraine would try, to be, would, try to be, would try to stop Russia from advancing. But the more Russia can advance, the goal is to ultimately take over the territory of Ukraine. But Ukraine is fighting back and says, you're not going to take over our territory. I want you to keep that in mind because that's something that we're going to have to look at as we go on in today's message. If in history, there have been leaders who have been successful in advancing their causes unto opposing countries and have been successful in their goal. Some have not been successful, but it did not stop them from trying if you look at World War I and World War II and so forth, you got to you look at countries trying to advance their objective onto another country. And that country stopping them if they had to have help from other countries. If history is an indication of future events, this type of behavior will continue. Now, where did war start from? We can find it in the book of Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. So go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Some import, some, there are many points in this, but I'm going to bring just a few to your attention. The devil wanted to take over heaven. He wanted to advance his will in heaven. He wanted to be the chief in heaven. But God sent Michael and his angels, and Michael and his angels kicked him out. They said, there's no longer a place for you up in heaven. But where he kicked them to is important to us. He kicked them down to earth. Earth, the place we are living right now. Right now. So if the enemy couldn't get to God, who you think is he going to go after next? He's going after the one that God loves. If, and you know how it is. If the enemy can't get to you, he'll go after what you love. And so, therefore, the enemy is on the earth, and he's ra- raging war. And when he's in war, he'll use any means necessary in order to win. He's declared war. And whether or not we want to participate or not, it is war time. And as believers, one of our greatest battlegrounds is our mind, where our thinking goes on, our decision-making, and our perceptions are formed. Our mind gives us the capacity to think, make decisions, and helps us to make sense out of the things around us. The mind is the place that we process information and store memories. Some of us can recall memories from our childhood and teenage years. Some of us have memories that were positive and brings images of good times, fun times, and happy moments. However, some of us have memories that were not so positive, that brings images of pain, fear, lack, feelings of abandonment, as well as rejection. I've told you the story before, but I thought about it in preparing for this. My uncle, who fought in World War II, he would have memories of the war. One of the memories that he talked about that really stood out to me that you can't see when you watch a documentary or watch or see pictures is he often talked about the smell of war. And when he thought about the war, he said the smell would often come up in his mind. And it's interesting to me that he would say that because you couldn't, you couldn't kind of think about, but the smell brought about memories to him. And I, I won't go into detail, but I'll put it to you. The memories were not pleasant. The memories were not pleasant. Regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, whether good memories or bad memories, depending on the memory, where it is in your life, they can be positive or they can be negative. But they're stored in our mind. Good memories are stored in our mind. Bad memories are stored in my mind. Memories in between are stored in our mind. Because our minds are the seat of our emotions. Memories where we, excuse me, 
the mind is the place where we have or the seat of our emotions, memories, where we process and understand information. And that mind can be vulnerable or become under harm or attack or can be easily influenced from things from our past, present, as well as our future. And I thought about this from this point. Sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, something has not even happened yet, but my mind has already formed an opinion about something that hadn't happened yet. Oh, I, I, I say, God, you know, I had to repent many times. You know what, God, I'm thinking about this like a person who's not Christ-minded. I'm thinking it like this, but a person who's walking in doubt and unbelief. That I haven't even seen the doctor yet, but yet I've already got a negative report from the doctor. He ain't even said nothing yet. Oh, y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. The banker hasn't said no yet, but in my mind, he's already rejected me. I, listen, the person hasn't, the person that I want the job from hasn't even uh, looked at my application, but in my mind, I've already talked myself out of the job. Because why? My mind is messing with me. And it's in, it's in our mind where we deal with thoughts being bombarded into our mind. Thoughts of pain, disappointment, rejection, insecurities, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, and so forth. Our, man, our mind is a battleground. It's a battleground for the enemy, enemy to bring about doubt, fear, chaos, and confusion, which is a strategy for the enemy. Yet it's also our mind where the Holy Spirit in God's written and revealed word can train us to think on things which are pure, just, and of good report. Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. As you go to that scripture, the Lord is providing for us how we should think, how we should judge matters, how that we should have, how we should think about and ponder on different things. Philippians 4 and 8 reads as follows. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there, if there is any virtue, if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Finally, brother, my fellow believers in Christ, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there is any virtue, if, if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Reason with these things. Make decisions on these things. But notice what he said. He didn't say fear. He didn't say doubt. He didn't say unbelief. He said whatever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, think on these things. But how many times do we find ourselves thinking about things God didn't tell us to think about? How many times do we find ourselves making decisions based on things God tell, never told us to think about? As we go deeper into learning about a Christ-minded church, 
We need to be on one accord with God's word in understanding the term church. We know that church can have multiple meanings. For example, church can refer to the building of brick and mortar. Church refers to the called out one, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and have connected together as a congregation. Those that belong to the Lord, the saints. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 reads as follows. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the goal for us is to belong to the Lord through the gift of salvation, through deliverance, protection, and prosperity. Church is also can be defined as the house of the Lord, God's house. The church is a place where we also worship Jesus. Let's go to the book of Psalms 150. The book of Psalms 150. Psalms 150 reads as follows. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbre and the dance. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Does God want us to praise him? Should there be a question whether or not God wants to get glory or get praise from us? Why? The scripture's clear. Let everything that have breath, how many can breathe? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor, I don't want to praise the Lord. I don't think it's necessary to praise the Lord. But he says praise him where? In the sanctuary. Where we at? The sanctuary. So he wants us to praise God in his sanctuary. We also, too, can go to, uh, let's go to Matthew 16, verse 18. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Church is also the place where the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. In Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock, or on this revelation, I will build. I'm going to establish, rebuild, repair, and promote Christian growth and development. Notice what he's going to do. He's going to build not Pastor Dobbs Church, but notice how, what he talks about, my church. My church. And let me say this to you. Every church is not God's church. But thank God we are in his church. I appreciate the fact that we belong to his church. You know what? One thing he said, he said, one thing you're going to know about his church, you're going to praise him in the sanctuary. 
You're going to praise him in the sanctuary. So if they don't praise him in the sanctuary, it could be because it's not his sanctuary. I know, I know, I know it, might be, it might seem elementary, but you need to understand what the scriptures say. Some people don't want to praise him, and they don't let you praise him. Well, could it be that's not his sanctuary? Could it be? But the Bible tells us that he's going to build, establish, repair, promote, so forth, my church. Who's the church? The called out ones, the congregation of believers, and the gates of Hades should not prevail or overcome it or be superior in strength to it. And also, too, is the church can be called, it's the brick and the mortar. Is this basically this right here. This is his church. This is his church. As we continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of a Christ-minded church, we know that Paul was talking to the called-out believers in the faith, God's church at Philippi. Philippians 2 and 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. A Christ-minded church. He says, let this mind, let this thinking, let the wisdom of God, let the, the same values that God values be in you. Let his ideas be in you. Let his views be in you, which was also in the anointed one, in the redeemer, in our savior. Let that mind be in us. We need the mind of Christ. We got to let it. I heard the MC talking about how we got to let this mind be in us. You can't, listen, God won't force it, but you got to let it be in your mind. It's a decision that we all must make, not just one time and forget it, but on an everyday basis. We can conclude that there are other mindsets that are available for us to have. See, we can think, talk, and act in ways that are outside of the will of God. Many of us know that our minds can seemingly cause us to believe things that may or may not be true. How many have ever heard something and you're like, hey, this ain't right right here. This ain't right right here. Also, too, you got to be careful because your mind can pay, play tricks on you, too. Now, let me say this to you. I know I'm past 50. My mind has played tricks on me more than one time. For example, I've been in a place and I thought people were talking about me. And I, you know, I came to the conclusion of what if they are? Some of y'all can't handle that right there, okay? They talking about me. Well, so what? They talked about Jesus, and he got over it. So if we're, we're going to be Christ-minded, we can't let other people's opinion or them talking about us affect us. Affect us. Another example, maybe a person turned around and partially looked back in your direction, your mind spoke. They just rolled their eyes at me. You know how you say it with an attitude and with a little neck roll? But the person was not even looking at you. They were looking behind you. They were looking behind you. And you got all in an attitude and uproar over something that was not even true. And at this day and time, you could be standing in line and people these days got phones that you can't even see. You know, it used to be a time you look at somebody, oh, you talking to me? You could tell they weren't talking to you because you had a phone in their hand. But some people, they got phones. You can't tell. They'll be talking. And hey, you know, hey, what's going on? Do I know you? <laughs> and then you look around and they say, oh, no, I got, I don't even see what's in their ear. 
almost look like James Bond type stuff. Are you following me? But the thing is, your mind can play tricks on you. At least they, mine can anyway. Another way our mind can also be, uh, also our mind can be a place of understanding, growth, insight, and wisdom. There's wisdom that comes from God, either directly or indirectly, and wisdom that comes from the enemy. Man's wisdom is limited and is earthbound, but God's wisdom is unlimited, eternal, and heavenbound. And you, you got to be careful. You can't be wise in your own eyes. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do, don't be wise. Don't be shrewd or think you skilled and think you know so much in your own eyes. But he says fear or reverence and be in awe of the Lord and depart from evil. It's almost like he's saying your own wisdom can be evil if you're not careful. And depart from it. Leave it alone. See, Satan knows that wisdom from God always will always dominate his wisdom or man's wisdom, but seeks to try to persuade us to think that we can outsmart God. Let's see that example in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. You remember earlier I showed you where the scripture where Satan was cast out and he was put down here on the earth? Well, this one of his first encounters with mankind when it comes to the mind. His first battle was up in heaven. He tried to fight God. And God said, you ain't taking on my territory. Yeah, think, think again. You know what's, you know what's kind of, you know God is something else. God didn't even lift a finger to kick him out. He sent Michael and his angels and kicked him out. Can you imagine if God would have gotten the battle? What kind of battle that would have been? <laughs> All right, let me, let me get excited thinking about that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tr fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you should not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you, sh well, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Wow. Wow. Let's look at verse 4 and verse 5 again. Remember, the battle is in the mind. I want you to think about this from one point. A few, few points you need to understand about this conversation. One, we don't read where Eve even knew who the serpent was. We don't read that. So she thinks she having a conversation. But knows the conversation, and uh, you think about this, She's having it with a serpent. The serpent is walking and the serpent is talking. Y'all don't get that, do you? Just, just let that wrap in your mind for a moment. Now, she hears this serpent talking and having this conversation. And he says to her some things 
Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not, you will not surely die. So one, a serpent is talking. Let that sink for a moment. You don't even bother that a serpent is talking. If a serpent starts, listen, if one of y'all cats or dogs start talking to me, something's wrong. But the serpent's talking. This is what the serpent says. For God knows, he recognized, he admits that in the day you eat of, eat of it, your eyes, your thinking, your mental qualities will be open. Now, this is serpent saying. This is what the serpent is saying. This ain't what God is saying. This is what the serpent is saying. And, and they'll be open. You'll be observant and your ears are open. And you will be like God. You're going to be knowing good from evil. You're going to have an understanding and, and knowledge, and you're going to have insight on good and evil. So you know that the, if the serpent's talking, he's walking around talking to Eve, it's messed up. It's messed up. It should have been a red flag when Satan, who God kicked out of heaven for trying to overthrow God, started speaking on behalf of God in the beginning of time. He may not have known who the devil was, but nevertheless, it did not change the result. So you may not know who you're talking to, but you got to discern who you're talking to. You may not know him, but you better know him. <laughs> you think you're talking to somebody nice that, you know, going to treat you right. But it could be a situation where, hey, they're trying to get you. Every salesperson that's tell you that they are saved and they on your side is not saved and on your side. Because once they hear you're a Christian, they want to say, about, hey, I'm saved too. I'm saved too because they're trying to get that sale. I've had it happen to me more than one time. More than one time. And I'm not saying they were saved or not saved. I'm not trying to judge that. But I just don't let that, uh, at least I don't now, uh, affect my decision whether I should buy or not buy something. You got to make sure you understand who you're talking to. How many conversations have we engaged in, in and out of the church, that has set us up to be attacked in our minds by the enemy? How many of us have failed for that line? You know, you so cute. Ooh, you so fine. You know, you about the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, they don't make him really look like you no more, do they? Woo, hey, fail for that line. Fail for that line. You got to know who you're talking to. And they can look good, too. They can dress it up. They can make it seem good. But inside, they are evil. They are a serpent. Got to be careful. And let me say this to you. Before I point fingers at anybody and tell anybody, oh, that that never happened to me. It's happened to me, y'all. I have lost money. I have failed for lies. I've, I've been the whole route. Learn from me and don't make my mistake. Okay? Hallelujah. I believe that this casual conversation helped to set the battleground for Adam and Eve's mind and still continues with the battle in our mind today. And as believers, we're constantly in battle in our thinking, talking, and reasoning. We're still in battle. Good versus evil. Faith versus fear. Prosperity versus poverty. Healing versus sickness. Forgiveness versus unforgiveness. Love versus hate. Grace and mercy and ju- grace and mercy versus judgment and punishment. It's a war going on 
in our minds. It's a war going on. Let's go back to Romans chapter 7, verse 23 through 25. Romans chapter 7, verse 23 through 25. But I see another law in my members, warred against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul is speaking to the church in in Rome about a war. The war within that he recognized was happening. In Romans chapter 7, verse 23, he is being self-reflective and self-aware. In the first clause of Romans 7 and 23, but I see another law. He says, I perceive and discern, and I'm, I'm coming to the understanding there is another law, something that's been established in my members. He is becoming self-aware. Self-awareness is to be consciously knowledgeable of my own character, feelings, motives, and desires. I need to know me. I need to know where I'm weak at. I need to know where I'm strong at. I need to know where I need to get things together at. See, self-awareness is having a good understanding of myself. See, and I've been guilty of this too. I knew more about you than I did myself. Let me let that sink for a moment. I knew more about you, at least I thought I did, than, than I knew about myself. When God is saying, you need to know yourself. You need to know yourself. See, when you begin to make sense of yourself, you understand why you think, talk, and feel certain ways about certain people, things, and situation. Self-awareness, self-awareness helps me to see how my thinking aligns or doesn't line with God. Many times, self-awareness will help us understand that there is something else happening in the inner me that is causing me to think and respond in certain ways. Why do I respond like that when I see something on television? Why do I act like that when that person says something to me? Why do I do this, that, and the other when these certain things are happening to me? What's going on within me? Paul is dealing with self-awareness. He says in the first clause of Romans 7 and 23, but I see another law in my members. I'm perceiving, I'm discerning something happening here. I see a ruler, ruler in me commanding and demanding me to do certain things. There are ways of thinking, talking, and actions that are being established within me that's causing a conflict or a war in my members. I know I should be holy, but unholy thoughts are causing conflict within me. I should have got at least one amen off of that right there. I know I should be thinking holy, but I got unholy thoughts running across my mind. Let me say this to you, and I don't want you to be embarrassed and don't say anything. You got to say amen off of this. You can be sitting in the sanctuary looking at me saying amen and still have unholy thoughts. I know I should forgive, but bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness are causing conflict within me. I know I should forgive them, but I don't want to because I'm bitter. I'm resentful. I'm waiting for them to do this, that, and the other before I forgive them. Conflict, war going on. 
I know that I should give, but lack in thoughts of not having what I need are causing conflict within me. I should give, but no, man, I, I got to pay this, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. But I give a little bit, but I could give more, but do I really trust God to provide the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Yeah, I know they're asking for an extra $20, but I need this $20 to put in my gas tank because I got to go somewhere. Conflict within me. And when I say this to you, a war going on, there's a war going on. Let me tell you one more quick example. I know I should go to church. I know I should be in prayer, but there's a war going on within me. Let me tell you something. Sunday morning, you're going to have a battle. A battle. I'm talking about war. And the devil will use any means necessary. Any means. He's not going to fight you fair. He's going to make sure that pull are good and soft. It's going to be warm in there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Warm is not an English word. But it does sound good. It's going to be warm in your bed. You're going to stay up late the night before watching whatever you're watching. And then when the clock go off, he's going to say, 10 more minutes, 5 more minutes, 15 more minutes. Said, hey, you deserve to sleep some. You know the, and then you, you throw half a scripture in there. You know he gives his beloved rest. You have a battle Sunday morning. And then we're going to break it down. We're going to go sleep a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And then with next thing you know, we don't got it down to the last second. Last second. I ain't talking about minutes, but last second. And then something else happened. Now you're late. Now you're late. Because why? It's a battle going on. It's conflict. And the enemy is not going to fight you fair. He's not going to fight you fair. He's going to use whatever tactic he got to use. He know it worked on you because you knew it worked on you Sunday before that. And the Sunday before that. And don't mess around. It'll be a Wednesday night. Woo! What? You worked all day long. You tired. Tired. No, not tired. Or tired. But tired. Almost sound like tired to washing powder. <laughs> but you're tired. You worked hard all day long. Or you ran around all day long. Got, you got to eat. You're hungry. Not hungry, but hungry, hungry, hungry. To get here to Wednesday night. Get here on Wednesday night. It's a battle going on. And then he'll make it seem like you're the only one going through that battle. When there's all types of people in this sanctuary going through the same type battle. But a Christ-minded person they're going to win that war. They're going to win that war. Because you must understand, before I go further, that when the war goes on, you got to win. you got to win. There's no place for losing in this war. It's a soul at sake, sake when you lose this war. you got to win this war. you got to win it. You don't think that the fighting over in Ukraine, Ukraine says, i got to win this war. You don't think when Jesus getting ready to go to the cross, he, he, listen, he had to win that war. 
He had to win that war. And let me say this to you. Because he won the war, we can win the war too. Thank God we're going to win the war. Somebody lift that right hand or some hand say, I'm going to win this war. Hallelujah. The intensity of this war is that the opposer is working diligently, diligently to take possession of my thinking, understanding, memory, emotion, desires that pertains to the mind. Let me say this to you like this. If this is your mind, if this is your mind, the enemy is trying to advance and take possession of how you think, how you understand, your memory, your emotions, your desires, everything you can think about that pertains to your mind. He is trying to advance to the point that he has you thinking like him, talking like him, and acting like him. And let me say this to you. I've been guilty of letting them win too many times. I've been guilty of it. That's why I thank God for repentance. Repentance will kick the enemy out. God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for letting the enemy take over my, over my thinking, my understanding, my memories, my emotions, my desire. And when you look back at it, you know it was the devil. It sounded just like you, but it was the enemy. It sounded like somebody you knew, but it was the enemy. Now, in the latter part of Romans 7, 23, but I see another law in my memories, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my memories. I see another law in my memories, warring, opposing, and causing conflict against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, forcefully taking possession of the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul is letting us know it is war time. We must understand that there is a law in our members, the human part of us that includes our feelings, emotion, desires, and so forth. Remember that man is a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And as a man, I have cravings, desires, and they, and they work overtime to be fulfilled. And this is what you need to understand. The enemy will use my cravings against me if I let him. He'll use my desires against me if I let him. The devil will use any means necessary. He'll cause you to take something, violate something, steal something, hurt somebody, say something to somebody. He'll use an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend. He'll use whatever it takes in order to get to your mind. He's not playing fair. He's not playing fair. Well, he, I, he should play, be like the people that fight in this current society we live in. Well, this ain't that time. The devil come to steal, he come to kill, and he come to destroy. This sounds like somebody going to fight you fair. Doesn't sound like somebody going to fight you fair. One thing I learned over the years, back in my day, when we fought, when I was getting beat up, I grabbed something. Lord, you getting beat up, I'm going to grab some. You can fight me fair, but I'm not, if I'm getting beat up, I'm not going to fight you fair. Because why? I'm getting beat up. It's war. 
Paul understood that there is a war going on. It's war. This ain't no, I'm going to fight you fair, you fight me fair war. The devil ain't going to fight you fair. He'll take your last little bit of money and use it against you. I need to, I need to, I need to use this to buy me some. Buy me a meal. Do anything. He'll take that money from you. He'll take that money from you. Devil don't fight you fair. Here you are fighting sickness and disease. He'll try to put more sickness and disease on you. Here you are, you trying your best to do what God has told you to do. And then he'll tell you, it's not good enough. The enemy will do whatever he can to get you in a position where he defeats you. He defeats you. Because remember, he can't get to God. So he's going to get to the thing he can get to, which is his pe- it's God's people. Well, Pastor, I don't think that's fair. This ain't a fair thing. It's war. It's war. It's wartime. It's wartime. My brother and sister in Christ, this is the battleground. But just like Paul, we must know our deliverer. His name is Jesus. He is the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, the miracle worker. Paul noted in 724, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Notice what Paul said here by himself. O wretched, miserable, and afflicted man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Who's going to rescue me? Who's going to draw out, save me from this body of death? Paul continues in his self-awareness. Self-awareness is to be consciously knowledgeable of my own character, feelings, motives, and desires. Self-awareness is having a good understanding of me. He identifies himself as a wretched man. Wretched is a mindset that consistently unhappy, miserable, and sad. Some of us can identify at times, at points in our life, we were miserable, unhappy, and sad. The mindset is the type that can bring awareness and have an urgency for deliverance, protection, and prosperity, also known as salvation. And when you've been battling for a long time, inwardly and outwardly, there is a tendency to become tired, weak, worn out, discouraged, dismayed. Thoughts of giving up and giving in are constant. But as a Christ-minded church, we must know the answer to our deliverance. We must be when we are battling inward thoughts and outward circumstances. Paul, Paul goes on to say in Romans 7 and 25, 7 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Notice what Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, the Sovereign One. So then with the mind, my thinking, my understanding, my reasoning, I myself serve the law of God. I serve the law of God. Notice again. So I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the sovereign one, the Messiah. So then with the mind, my thinking, my understanding, reason, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the part of me that is not divinely influenced, the law of sin. So he's telling us our flesh can lead to sin. 
wander from the ways of God, opposing God and his word. But this flesh is one that is not under divine influence or godly influence. A common strategy of the enemy is to get his foothold in our mind. And from the main text today, we can see the enemy wants to advance and take more control over our mind to control us. He will try to hinder our faith in God, our ability to be effective witnesses or representatives of Christ, our willingness to operate in unity and one accord with our sisters and brothers in Christ, our desire to grow and mature spiritually and naturally, and our urgency to be productive and prosperous in every area of our life. If we're going to be successful in battle, we must pull on, stand on, and meditate on scriptures like Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 reads as follows. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live not live, be truly blessed, have a powerful life by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or goes forth out of the mouth of God. When Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, he chose to win that battle. He chose to win that battle. But you notice what the enemy did. Remember we talked about them countries that would try to overtake the land, but sometimes they're not successful. The devil going to try. The devil going to try. He tried, let's say if this was Jesus, he tried to take over Jesus. But Jesus, what did he do? He kept quoting the word. He kept quoting the word. Man should not live by bread alone. That means he had to get, the enemy had to get back. So the word is our defense against the enemy. Just like Jesus won that war, we can win the same type war. The battle that goes on in our mind. And see, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this message today speaks to all of us here today. Mm -hmm. It speaks to me. It speaks to the person sitting next to you. And it certainly speaks to that person sitting in that chair that you're sitting in. It speaks to us. Because we're going to go through battles in the mind. And let me say this to you. I could pray you never go through through another battle in your mind as long as you live. I could, I'd just be wasting my time. You don't go through another battle. But we have the ammunition to defeat the enemy. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he said, well, you know, you should be quoting scripture. You know, sometimes the devil will tell you, you shouldn't use scripture to, to tell me what I should or should not do. No, we're going to use scripture, y'all. You can believe that lie if you want to. I'm going to use the word of God. I may not know the full example of the scripture, but I'm going to quote as much, much as I know and study it until I get the rest of it. Let me tell you something. If I got to go to Google and type in scripture, God, for God, so, for God, so, for God, so, God, so, and put, a, and put world at the end of it and see what come up, I'm going to find that scripture. Y'all follow me? I ain't going to sit there and let the devil whoop me like I'm a. I'm just going to sit there. If I can't quote it, I ain't going to say nothing. Please. You're going to win. You got to win this war. It is wartime. It's wartime. And it's wartime. My ultimate prize 
a reward is God's will being manifested or displayed in this life and in my in eternal life. Not my will, but God's will being done. And let me close with this right here. This all goes back to when Satan tried to take over God's kingdom. He couldn't get it done. He got kicked out. He here on the earth. Now we're in the battle. And now his, his little Christ, us, has been empowered and equipped with the Holy Spirit to defeat the enemy. It's wartime, but we're going to win. How many agree with you going to win? Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.